And uh, this morning, I'll be your preacher man for the next uh, 20 minutes or so, or maybe more or less. But I've been tasked to do some administration first. Let's get that out of the way. First thing is to remind those that have been maybe checking us out, visiting us. You know, you've been here for a little while, but you have not done linked. So linked is literally time where we come here in this hall. We have food and we will ha- you'll get to hear a little bit more about what this church believes, why we talk the name Jesus all the time, who the leaders are, what is our vision and our mission. So if you've been here for a while and you have not done linked, okay, so we encourage you, urge you, sign up. It is good for you. Also, next week's Sunday, baptisms. So, yes, that normally gets like a big hoo-ha, but this morning it's like only this side. So baptism, we, we believe in the, 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 the ministry of baptism, which is when somebody who has said yes to Jesus, so you've said, Lord Jesus, come into my life, wash me clean, as Quinton said, you know, erase the records of wrongs. We believe the next step after that is to be baptized, which is you literally get dunked into water and then you come out alive most of the time. But it's an outward declaration of, of, of what's, what has happened inside. And there is no timeline. You don't have to be saved like three years or three months. You can literally be saved next week, Sunday, and be baptized the same day. How cool is that? That's very cool. Quinton, did I get that? Oh, there we go. I was uh, a bit anxious about the preacher's announcement, but I think I did okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Hey. Right. Now, this morning I'm going to be preaching from the New Testament. We'll use a scripture in the New Testament as our springboard, and then we'll launch back into the Old Testament. And then we'll come back to the New Testament. So if you've been following us online or checking us for a, for a little bit, you'll know that Life Changes Change, we, Life Changes Church, we like preaching in terms of series, themes, etc. But then every now and then we have what we call, what do we call them? The freestyle, free hits, freestyle, freestyle. <laughs> well, from the Bible, <laughs> where we'll have, we call them one-offs, where uh, one of the pastors or one of the elders will come up and, and, and speak what, what God has placed on their hearts. And this morning, I'd like to, re- to pray for us as we jump in to uh, what God wants to speak to us about. Lord Jesus, we, we love you. We trust you with everything. We thank you that you are the image of the invisible God that walked planet Earth to show us the Father. And this morning, as your word is preached, I pray, God, that not the vessel, not the audience, not the auditorium, not the venue, not the keyboards in the background, but that it will be your word that transforms and restores and revives. Spirit of the Most High God, only you can do what you do. Only you can touch hearts and minds far from you, close to you. You are not limited by distance. You are not limited by our state of affairs. Come and move, Holy Spirit with your power today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this morning, I'm talking about God's promises. The promises of God. And I'm not sure what triggers, or what thoughts are triggered when I say God's promises, or even the word promises. Because uh, we live in an age where leaders, 
parents, pastors, preachers, pilots. Sorry, I just said to keep going with the P there. Yeah. Programmers make promises. And uh, some those those promises are followed through, but sometimes, if not most, not. And this morning, I want to, I want to test my heart as I test your heart as well against God's word. To say, how should we respond to God's promises? And the scripture that I want us to, to use as a, as a launching pad, as a, spring, as a springboard, as it were, is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 to 22. So if you have your Bible with you and you flip to the New Testament, you maybe encounter the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you know, keep going, Acts, then maybe Romans, and then stop. You've hit Corinthians. But that's the first one, keep going. The second one. So 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 to 22. It will pop, there it is, behind me. The NIV version says, But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, by Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no. But in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes us both, who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Now, if you're not familiar with the narrative of the Bible, this passage or this book is written by a gentleman called Paul, the Apostle Paul. And he's writing to a church in Corinth. It's a, it was a Greek city, I think, somewhere in Greece, Bible scholars, help me, where he had founded this church and it was, it's, it's, it's uh, one of the churches where he had spent a lot of time, you know, as a church that he founded, he spent a lot of time with them and there's, there's much love for this church. There's, there's a passion for this church. He's quite close to them. And when he writes this, this second book, it follows the first one. He's writing it, and the context is here is that he was not writing from prison, as he, he does with the uh, other books, but he's writing from somewhere else, and he's been longing to go and visit them. He's been longing to come back. And as you can imagine, the church had grown, or the gathering of believers at the time had grown. And after he had been attempting to come and visit them, there's been circumstances that have prevented him from going. So what happens is some of the new people that have joined the church, there's some opposition inside the church, outside the church, and they're beginning to say to some of the guys that, you know, the, the older members, some, those that have been there for a while, they're like, but this Paul that you guys keep talking about, he's not very consistent, is he? He's like, he's been promising he's going to come. And I would imagine that, you know, they, 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 they would have been sending money to him, supporting his mission and his ministry. So there's a bit of, like, beef starting to develop. And Paul, he needs to write to them and address that issue. So he's, he's, he starts off, you know, if you read the few scriptures before, he starts off by defending and explaining himself. To say, I couldn't come because of these circumstances. This happened and that happened. But I love how he quickly turns it <laughs> into a moment to represent the heart of God, to say the promises of God. He's like, you know what? Take it up. Believe me or not, that's, that's fine. 
But what I want to anchor your hearts in is that the promises of God, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes. He doesn't fluctuate. He doesn't waver. He doesn't say like a certain father, Mpele, oh, that's me, yes. Say to Naki, when we come back from school today, beach day, awesome. Get home. Uh, it's a little bit windy, girl. Uh, the, the, the moment has changed. It's just a little bit windy. But God, his promises, Paul is saying to them, anchor your hearts in this, God's promises. He doesn't waver. And he carries on to say, because remember, he was, he was defending himself. He says, this is the same Jesus that I preach, that I believe in. Yeah. So I too, as Paul, am consistent. But I, I, I love how he just sneaks in there. He's sort of like as a caveat to say, let me point you to this Jesus that we've been preaching. He's a, he's a God who remembers his promises. And that's my first point today. Is that God remembers his promises. I don't know what promises you've received from the Lord. But he's a God that does not need to be reminded. He remembers his promises. He does not conveniently forget. One of the greatest promises that he has kept, and I'm jumping way ahead into my notes here now. I'm like, is when he says to the serpent, and when he has that conversation with Adam, Eve, and the serpent, he says, the seed of the woman will crush your head. There was no one to hold him accountable. You think about it. In a conversation of four, no one can hold me accountable. They're all gone. But because he remembers his promises, he sends us Jesus. Like I said, I've jumped ahead, but there's a good moment. God remembers his promises. Genesis chapter 13, verses 22 to 24. That's way in the beginning of the Bible. There's a scripture, there's a story of a woman named Rachel who was married to Jacob and who could not conceive. The Bible in those verses says, Then God remembered Rachel. He listened to her and enabled her to conceive. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son and said, God has taken away my disgrace. She named him Joseph. You know Joseph? The multiple color codes? This was his mom. And said, may the Lord add to me another son. Exodus chapter 3 verse 7 to 8. The Lord speaking to Moses says, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I know of their sorrow. I'm intimately aware with their situation. God is intimately aware. He knows. The Bible carries on. So I have come down to deliver them out of the land of Egypt and bring them up into a spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Speaking to a friend of mine this week, and I say to him, we're chatting, how's it going? New baby. He's like, hey, how did you? I'm like, hey, bro, power to you. <laughs> Strength and wisdom to you. So he says, and I say, how is it going? He says, it's a bit challenging. But and then he says this to encourage my heart. He says, this is him encouraging me. He's in the, at the cold face of it. He says, but I know that God is in the details. He may not share the details, but he's in the details. 
God remembers His promises. Maybe you're thinking, so what if He remembers His promises? It's one thing to remember or to be reminded of your promises. It's yet another thing to follow through and make them come to be. As I said, in an age where it is easy for me as a parent, as a leader, and we see it, to use my authority and name to say I've taken an executive decision. Yes, this is what we were going to do, but the situation has changed. Circumstances have changed. Economies, the economics has changed. We're not going there anymore. But God, in remembering his promises, he still fulfills his promises. He's not bound by time and timeline. And in fact, he goes ahead of time to orchestrate events and moments that will ensure that he fulfills his promises. The very same Joseph that I referred to, we've, we've, we, we, we went through the, what was it called? The Promotable Life, the Promotable Life series, where we, we, we saw how God orchestrated events in Joseph's life to fulfill the promise. Think of Moses, born as a Hebrew, raised by Egyptians as a prince. We're thinking, okay, this is, this is, we, we see God's plan. We see God's plan. Israel is going to be led out. We've got an inside man now. Then he gets demoted, effectively. Commits a crime and then he runs off. You're thinking, God, you had them. You had them in a corner. You know, we had our inside man. But God was working in the details. God had to get him into, out into the wilderness so he can see that burning bush. He works every detail. He is not bound by time or timelines. We're singing this morning that he's always on time. He's able to fulfill his promises because he's not limited by resources and he's not bound by the laws of supply and demand. He will use the best and the worst that he's got to fulfill his promises. In Genesis again, the from chapters 21, we're told of the story of Abraham and Sarah, an old couple, that God broke into Abraham's story and said, you are going to be the father of many nations. Right. Okay, God, uh, getting a little bit old now. What's the story? Talking adoption? No. From you. Genesis 21, verse 1 to 2. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the very time God had promised him. How about Gideon and the 300 men? Now this is one of my favorite movies of all time. We don't have time to go through the book of Judges. But if you wanna, if you wanna take a break from Showmax and Netflix, <laughs> read Judges. It's incredible stuff that happens there. So the nation of God, the people of God, are under attack. The Midianites are oppressing them. They they are effectively scattered. Gideon is hiding under. Where was he hiding under? He's like underground, effectively. 
threshing some wheat. He's like, it's like operation hush hush. Because if the Midianites find it, you're dead. God, the angel, an angel of the Lord breaks in and says, mighty men, good morning. It's like, God, are you, <laughs> like you've got jokes, eh? It's like saying to my friend, Louise, good morning, champion, high jumper. It's like, high jumper. <laughs> Which one? This one. <laughs> Quentin's Louise. God says to him, the angel said, mighty men. Gideon was, he was not the bravest of the nation of Israel. Yet God uses him to lead an army. Not, not to start like an underground resources management, sort of like maybe strategy, maybe that's where his strengths were. No, he says, you are going to lead an army. It's like, are you sure? Me, the tribe of Benjamin. Like, uh, like have you seen these guns, God? And that story is so incredible. I mean, as they are about to break into the enemy's camp, the Lord says, that saying to me, you've got too many soldiers. It's like, okay, God, have you seen the number of the other side? The Bible says the Midianites, their horses and, and chariots and, and camels were like the sand of the seashore. That's how many they were. And God said, no, you've got too many people. It gives them strategies to getting less and less. And then he ends up with 300 men. And then the night before, God goes to me and says, if you are still terrified of doing this, I mean, he was, just take your assistant and sneak into the camp and just listen to what they are saying to each other. As he sneaks into that camp, he overhears a conversation between two friends in the enemy camp. And this friend is telling his other chum, he says, you know that nation of Israel that we're going up against? I think God has delivered them, has delivered us into their hands. I think we are doomed. God is not limited by resources. He's not bound by the laws of supply and demand. He's able to fulfill his promises. And he's also able to fulfill his promises because, like I said, he doesn't back out of what he says. He doesn't shortchange us. Because the Bible in Psalm 138 verse 2 says that he has elevated his word above his name and honor. So those in insurance industry, you know that underwritten by, backed by. He says, my word is backed by my honor. Psalm 138 verse 2, let's quickly read it. It says, I will worship towards thy holy temple. This is the King James Version. Now we need the organs, Sharon. And praise thy name for thy loving kindness. And for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above thy name. New Living Translation, I bow before your holy temple as I worship. I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness. For your promises are backed by all your honor and your name. That's how I know that God will keep his promises. As I said earlier in my introduction, I jumped to this part of my notes. That in, in, in declaring that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the enemy, there was no one to hold him to that. 
No one could go back and say, you said. It was just him. The three of them. Yet he's backed by his name and his honor. So how should I respond? How should we respond? I'll take you to another book in the Old Testament which should pop up. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 19 to 24. Now this is written by prophet Jeremiah. He was a I don't want to say an unfortunate dude, but yeah, I suppose I'll go with that. Because his mission from God was to say, tell Israel, I'm going to punish them for neglecting me. He said, God, are you sure that's my job? Yeah, that's your job. But it's times of plenty and everybody's happy and merry. Yeah, tell them if they don't change their ways, I'm coming for them. So Jeremiah is obedient. He does what God tells them and they don't like his message. They throw him in jail. I'm like, what are you talking about? Chuck him in a pit, put a rock on it. So Jeremiah writes this book and he gets to this part where he's lamenting. He's talking, he says from verse 19, the thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope. Somebody needs to dare to hope this morning. When I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I will say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. Somebody needs to dare to hope. Somebody needs to say to themselves, I need to say to myself, The Lord is my inheritance. The scripture we read, 2 Corinthians 1, 18 to 22. I'll take it from verse 21 where it says, It is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. As I learned, that should be my response is standing firm in Christ, knowing that God has delivered on his ultimate promise. The ultimate promise. Forget, 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 I will sustain your finances. Forget, I will, I will hold your family together. Forget, I will hold your business together. Those are good. But the ultimate promise being that I will rescue you from death and destruction. I will send my son, Jesus Christ, the seed of a woman, who will crush the head of the enemy. The ultimate promise that where where, where the enemy broke into the Garden of Eden to effectively kill and destroy what God had set up. It is that in Jesus, the risen Messiah, humanity has again been afforded a way back to the Father. If he's able to deliver on that, how much more? How much more can he be trusted? With the short timeline that I have on planet earth. 90 years, 95 years, 100 years. How much more can he be trusted? If perhaps you're here this morning, and as I invite you to stand, if maybe you're saying to me, but... I'm not sure that God even cares or knows that I exist. I think this is a preach for somebody who's heard from God. God's promised some things to them and 
there's been some delay. I think this is to revitalize and inspire them once more. But as for me, I don't think, I've, I've, not, I've not heard anything from God. I want to leave you with Isaiah 54 verse 10. Which says that though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed. Says the Lord who has compassion on you. God knows and he sees. He knows us by name. He knows you by name. Mountains are moving. There's trembling. There's uncertainty. But God says, even though, though all that stuff happens, my unfailing love towards you will not cease. God will hold us. God who remembers his promises is more than able to see them come to be. And this morning as I invite you to lift up your hands, I'd like to pray for you as I pray for myself. I don't know where, where you land in terms of this preach. Whether you need courage to know that God will remember his promise. Or whether you need courage You've been looking at the, the timeline and the resources and the supplies. Or maybe you've been doubting, does he really keep his word? I'm here to remind you as I remind myself that God who remembers his promises is more than able to fulfill them. Lord Jesus, we present our fickle hearts to you today. Present my wandering mind to you this morning. Spirit of the Most High God, I present this church, this bride, your people. Your heart and your mind is close and is attentive to their cries. I pray, God, where we need to repent of doubting you, we repent this morning. Where we need to quieten down the voice and the external chaos, we do that right now. We worship you, Jesus.